and I have no better time any time than right now because I get to go sit down, have myself a nice cold one, and listen to the greatest rock and roll guitar player in the world, Mr. Eddie Van Halen. Hello world, this is Chris Abalo's Podcast Experiment, and I am Chris Abalo. Welcome to the show, where I'm joined once again by my part-time co-host, Jack DeFranco. Hello again, everybody. And returning, once again, the always entertaining Ryan Taggart. Hey, guys. And make, I, what I think is his Cape debut. Is, is. Uh, You know him, yeah, you know him <laughs> as Metal Jimmy from the only podcast that matters even though his real name is james k hi jimmy hey it's good to talk with you guys again yeah jimmy likewise james glad yeah. we're able to put this together uh this it's funny too because jimmy was like the last person who i kind of hadn't done a, a one-on-one chat with so that was actually going to be the original intention for this show like the only person i kind of didn't check in with via the show during quarantine and uh now this came up and so that kind of changed the plan a little bit now it's going to be about Eddie Van Halen, who passed away last Tuesday, October 6th, which was a a surprise and not too much of a surprise because there have been rumors for a while that he wasn't doing well, Uh, rumors about him getting uh, cancer treatment or that his cancer had come back, which is a bit of a drag. Uh, Of course, just even hearing that was like, oh, come on, you know, we're just we're hoping to see Van Halen at some point again, you know, in some incarnation, at least knowing that they would exist because they've been. So kind of back and forth, and there have been big gaps in between when the band's been active. It would have been great to actually have the band around again. So anyway, unfortunately, yeah, the guy uh, passed away, and we we have a lot to talk about. We've probably talked Van Halen more than any other band. Certainly one of the bands we talked about most during the years of the only podcast that matters. Uh, almost at every opportunity, whether it was favorite albums or putting down david lee roth or talking about a great sammy hagar is or whatever we, Bashing yeah. new albums. there was yeah there was yeah. a lot of van halen material for sure we we, yeah. we, dedicated, we came back to it again and again we did well literally in 2012 when when the last album what now we know is the last album came out we dedicated an entire half cast to it. we literally spent a half hour basically complaining about like this sucks <laughs> what was the <laughs> album's name again i can't even remember uh, uh different kind of truth that's it Wow. It it took me a second to remember. I was like, I think it was a different kind because I think we called it a better kind of truth. Uh, so- <laughs> <laughs> that was the name of our half. Yeah, we were like, yeah. this sucks. And yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't want to. Yeah, we, we we cannot sign off on this. Boy, um, which was funny. I just completely forgot that <laughs> for, for context. And we'll talk about Van Halen as a whole. But uh, myself and Jack and Ryan are all uh, very much part of Hagar Nation, whereas uh, Jimmy prefers David Lee Roth. And oh, by far, by I far. converted from the Church of Roth, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jack eventually came <laughs> yes. around. I'll, I'll, I'll tell that story a little bit later on yeah, the show. Jack, so. you, were, you were an early convert, I don't think it really took us very long. <laughs> no, it was, it was like, you should buy this album. Like, I don't know, I'll listen to it. Okay, <laughs> it was, that was that okay. was Jack back at the time, like 2010, 2011. He was just like, just Diamond Dave, it just doesn't get any better than that. And I'm like, okay, I, we, we think <laughs> you're very wrong, but I just even and it was something like that. That's how I remember it, which is probably wrong. But uh, even Andrew, who doesn't particularly like Van Ham, was just like, "No, Sammy Hagar is way better." And it's like, far <laughs> be it for him to give praise to anybody. But yeah. lo and behold, I mean, was... yeah, obviously you have to give something to David Lee Roth. I mean, their albums did sell amazingly, and as a oh, front yeah. man altogether, he was yeah. he was pretty incredible, and he had command of the stage. Um, I mean, the only problem that I really ever had is that his lyrics are impossibly dumb. Yeah. A significant amount of the time the, they're, they're a party band that's it yeah, Those yeah. albums are party band albums the the lyrics right. are bullshit and i like my mm-hmm. singers to be able to sing more than they can do splits that's just, right you know i'm, I'm I old, agree. I'm old fashioned yeah. <laughs> that's the way i like it but um so my memory and i, I want to get to everybody but i'm gonna kind of start out with um the first and i want you guys to think about if you if you know the first van halen if you can remember the first time you heard van halen and in my case, I didn't know it was Van Halen, um, the, the song I heard. 
Uh, well, the first one I heard was When It's Love, but I didn't know it was Van Halen at the time. I just remember hearing it on the radio circa 88, you know, when I was a kid, six, seven years old, and you would just listen to you know, FM radio, which is, that's where all the bands were, because rock bands were huge in the 80s. So it wasn't that odd to hear those songs on the radio. That was the mainstream music at the time. But uh, I didn't know it was Van Halen. The first Van Halen song I heard that I knew was Van Halen was probably Jump. Um, but for me, Van Halen was one. There were three bands and three albums in particular, which really got me off on a on a tear and influenced me. I should say, give me, give me, gave me the impulse to want to play guitar, which was uh, Aerosmith's Big Ones, which kind of summed up the three Geffen albums that they did in the late '80s and early '90s. Uh, I had that on cassette. Yeah, once my sister had the memories of that. (laughs) My sister had the CD, which (laughs) I I copied onto a cassette. Yeah. Yeah, and um. It was that. It was Def Leppard's Adrenalize, which I I think I took out from the public library or something. I don't remember if I owned it yet on CD. I, I feel like it, it that was that one took a while for me to get on CD, but I think once again I like took the the cassette out of the public library and then copied it. <laughs> Made a a cassette copy of it. And um and the Van Halen Best of, which I think I don't remember if I had balance first. I really don't remember. But I, I want to say it was the best of because I was definitely like a high school freshman. And then when I was a sophomore, I started playing guitar. But those three albums listening to it, I just said, oh, I want to play guitar. And I, I was like, it's six strings. How hard can it be? Not realizing I the mechanics of playing guitar is just the idea, you know, when you're 14 of, yeah, I want to play guitar. So in that sense, Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen's guitar playing certainly was just a huge influence on me in as much as like, I want to make that sound. And, you know, when you hear something with the 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 bombast and uh, the 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 brilliance of their best ever song, Pound Cake, my opinion. Then uh, I, I said, I, I want to do that. I want to be able to make that sound. So that that's honestly what it was about for me. I said, I, I, after hearing those albums, you know, between Aerosmith and Van Halen and Def Leppard, I said, I want to play guitar. That's what I want to do. I said it when I was a kid, when I was into Springsteen, because I think it, this that initial kind of. I mean, in New Jersey, it was inescapable, but I feel like it was like, yeah, I'm going to play guitar and sing because he was he was everywhere. <laughs> Uh, especially around here. And uh, I said, you know what? That's what I want to do. But I was five. So I also wanted to be a fireman when I was five. So I don't don't know how long either phase lasted. But getting into high school and being a teenager, I said, I'm going to play guitar. So that was a a, it it was definitely a push in the direction. I can thank Eddie Van Halen in part for that. And uh, like I said, When It's Love was the first song I heard, but I didn't know it was them. But I mean, Jump was still getting pretty decent airplay in the late 90s because it was still a at that point, was was on the road it's to being the a go-to classic. Van Halen song to put on the radio. It is right, absolutely. It's so, like hey, '80s flashback weekend. It's the only Van Halen song they play. So. Well, now, yeah, right. exactly. That that is the first Van Halen song that gets played, and that's probably that's probably the signature song because you and can't Panama. Yeah. And- yeah, yeah, to a lesser extent, but Panama too. Yeah, but Jump is is the only Van Halen song that a lot of people even know, even at yes. this point, which is that's all bewildering to so, me. But it's still true. Like yeah. absolutely, I thought Panama was originally originally named Animal when I first heard saw uh, heard the song. Animal, like, yeah, because Roth is unintelligible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the song has nothing yeah. to do with Panama itself. Yeah, not at all. Right. It has to do with... the great, it's like, oh, it's Panama. Oh, well, I can see why that could be confused. He can't really sing that well. So. Can you point that out on a map? Or yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that's it. Isn't the whole point of the song like to get this girl to feel like you up in your car? Ocean? Panama, Panama Jack, yeah. Panama Jack. Yeah, that's yeah. why you. Yeah, Jack took that song as just like this is He's my theme. Suntan lotion. <laughs> this is the kind of song that I'm all about because yeah. I think he's singing about me and about yeah. summer and about my town. Um. Well, then, well, we'll go. We'll go in a descending order. So, Jack, you're going to go last. So, Ryan, being the second oldest, sure. how about you? What was your first awareness of Van Halen as a kid? Uh, likewise, it was definitely Jump was the first song I had ever heard. Um, I didn't necessarily become a fan or even look into them, you know, based on that song alone at that point because I was I was a kid, um, and I had heard Right Now, you know, that was in the the Christy, uh, Crystal Pepsi commercial. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Back in the nineties when I was, but I was I don't know eight or nine at that point. <laughs> um, but the first Van Halen record I owned was Balance in nineteen ninety five, and I was I don't know, probably eleven when that came out. Um, and that was when I became a fan. I was like, this record is just awesome. Um, you know, I'd heard uh, Can't Stop Loving You and Not Enough. You know, that was all over VH one and MTV at the time, and I was like, these songs are great. 
and I had no awareness of Sammy Hagar before that, uh, other than right now. Um, and then it took me a while after that to like really get back into Van Halen. Like I had that record, you know, when I was, you know, 11 or 12 years old. And it probably wasn't until I started really hanging out with you guys that I started to dig back a little bit into, you know, the earlier Sammy records and even develop some appreciation for a lot of the older stuff. Um, Cause there were some, some really good songs musically, obviously during the Roth era, you can't deny that. Totally. Um, but yeah, it, it would be a while for me before I like really, really got into them, but uh, it just sucks though. Then I'll never get to see them. <laughs> I know that that is a you big, know? big drag because th- that's something I know we were hoping for, for a while was that, you know, oh, there's going to be a big tour. And Sammy always said he was up for it. I mean, in the last however many years, uh, I mean, he wanted to do a, a tour with he and Roth and they would both sing their songs. And what better way to there there would have been no better way for that band to go out, honestly, if yeah, they did. One, if they consciously did one more tour would have been perfect for them to right. actually honor those two big eras of the band, because you can't dispute, you know, the popularity of, you know, those two. And I, I would mean, have paid tough. a large sum of money for that. Oh, I would have, too. Show. I would have, too. I was almost when when Sherry and I went and saw sammy in the circle in it was around september of 2015 um out in the desert where the hell were we <laughs> i don't remember where we went. it was some <laughs> it was some casino we had to drive like two hours to and uh God, what was it the palisades or something i don't remember i, I don't remember the name of the because it's somewhere in the in the california desert and uh i literally almost cried when they started playing pound cake i was just like ah it's about time i'm finally seeing this song play live because uh that's definitely my favorite uh guitar song from you know the sammy era uh from from eddie without a doubt live how does it sound live is it just just the same or magical i mean it was great because i mean vic johnson's an amazing guitar player anyway just the fact that he can play all of the van halen stuff the mantra stuff and it not in a in a copycat kind of way um which I'll never miss an opportunity to knock David Lee Roth, which is exactly what David Lee Roth does. He gets a, he gets Eddie Van Halen clones to to tour as his guitar players. But anyway, he um, Vic Johnson is able to play all those parts with his own style, uh, but it's it's still very very faithful to the Van Halen version. So just hearing that song perform live because we'd seen Chickenfoot in 2011, which right. is Sammy Michael yeah. Anthony, and yeah. uh, they didn't play any Van Halen songs no. because that was not that band's thing. Right. But uh, the Circle plays everything. They play the Van Hagar, for lack of a better term, as people have dubbed it. Uh, they play Sammy solo stuff. They play Montrose. Uh, they play Led Zeppelin because Jason Bonham is the drummer in the band. So that that band plays everything. So to be able to play all that was amazing. But it uh, did specifically he, did he do the song, drill. I believe so. Yeah, I mean, he must have. How could he not? Yeah. So he, the I mean, electric drill in the beginning was just it was so mind blowing. And yeah. oh, God, you know, yeah. Eddie's like the harmonics in that song that he does. Like, it's. It sends a tingle up my spine still every yeah. time I hear it. I, I worked hard to, to nail that song down because I was like, I knew of, um, and you get a little guitar nerdy here, but like I knew you could do harmonics on like the fifth, seventh, and twelfth frets. And then I was like, how is he doing this? Oh, you could do harmonics <laughs> on any fret. So that's why he's going between five and four in this section. That's how he does all those harmonics during the verse. It's like, how does he do that? Oh, it's because he's Eddie Van Halen. He figured out you can do it all over the goddamn neck. So, yep. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, of course he can, which I remember. Sorry, I'm going to get back to everybody else. I know I'm going to get a, you know, again, guitar nerdy. But I remember sometime when I was in high school, I remember I popped into a music store. I was hanging out with my my friend James, different James in uh, Point Pleasant. And we popped into a music store that was there. I think it was Clarizio's. And uh, they had the For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge uh, sheet music book. Which had the guitar tab on it, which basically tells you for non-guitar players, it tells you what of uh, where to put your fingers on the frets, the fret numbers. If you want to voice, you know, a solo or a chord or whatever, it it shows you where to put your fingers. And I just remember looking at the chords in Pound Cake and saying, "What what is this? Like I don't even understand." It may you it may well have just been a, an entire page printed in in, in Chinese. And I would have understood it just as much, even though, like, I understand numbers. I'm thinking, what does that chord even look like? You know, without actually having it under my, you know, getting getting your fingers on a neck and actually figuring it out. But just looking at it was yeah. so, I mean, blew my mind. But that was after, you know, maybe playing a year or something where I just couldn't conceive of. It's kind of hard to anyway. I mean, as a as a non-musician for, a, you know, the early portion of my life. I, I couldn't imagine how sounds were made in the first place. Like I said, I thought guitar playing was going to be easy. <laughs> when I said, I'm going to do that, I want to learn how to play guitar. 
And it's not. And you know, the, so, uh, the fucked up part, too, about it is that Eddie Van Halen couldn't even read sheet music. Yeah, he's just one of those like, dudes who... Really? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, if he had any kind of training, he wouldn't have just noodled and figured out how to do all this stuff. Yeah. Which is why it's like, thankfully, there's that, you know, those untrained people who, like him, who just figure it out through trial and error. And I feel like that's almost, yeah. that's kind of a bygone era because, I mean, geez, you can learn how to do anything now via YouTube or online school or whatever it is. So the idea, I feel like that era is kind of gone. The idea that you're completely self-taught is... Well, okay, maybe you learned how to do it without sitting one-on-one with a teacher, but, like, you at least watch how to play, you know, solos on YouTube or something like that. There are millions of guys who have channels devoted to guitar lessons. So I feel like that self-taught era is kind of over, and now everybody's going to be copying everybody else. I'm not, that's not a negative. It's, I feel like now just technology's gotten to the point where there's so many things to help you along, whereas back then he was probably just, like, dicking around, and that's how he figured out, like, oh, if I touch the neck... Here, it makes this sound, and if I just use my fingers, it'll sound like this. So he did the hard work for the rest of us. But, uh, Jimmy, so how about you? What was your first awareness of, of Van Halen, first song you heard, whatever? It's a very, it's a very particular moment that I remember. Um, it was when uh, we our, our family got the Gateway computer back in, like, the 90s, and <laughs> it came with these discs, like uh, Encyclopedia and stuff like that. And they had one disc uh, dedicated to like history of music up to that point. And, you know, they had like Pointer Sisters on there. They had some <laughs> prints. They had some other things on there. But then they had the same song by this by two different artists. Uh, you really got me. So they had ah. the Kinks version. I'm like, oh, this sounds cool. This is a nice one. Like me and my brother, we weren't listening to much radio. We were just listening to whatever we kind of had at hand. And uh, so we listened to that. And then they had the... Uh, uh, the Van Halen version of it, and I'm my eyes are like, whoa, it's better. <laughs> yeah, what is this? <laughs> well, this sounds amazing. And it was almost within, I don't know, like the the next year or something like that. They also had not the Crystal Pepsi commercial, but another one, and it had another Van Halen song on it. I can't remember offhand, but it had like a Barbie doll riding in a in a Mustang or something like that. And that was my second. <laughs> song that i heard by van halen i can't remember the commercial perfectly but i just remember that moment and i'm just like these guys are great i love these guys they're amazing (laughs) that was kind of like why i was the david lee roth guy because i listened to their earlier stuff i never really listened to any hagar until i met you guys and you guys played songs for me and to be honest i haven't none of none of the songs have been a miss so i could be a hagar fan if i listened to some more but I've never gone out of my way to listen to the later albums. Right. Well, you you could appreciate both. You're one of those fans who, yeah. uh, frankly, I can respect because since I grew up in the Sammy Hagar era, and we all essentially did, just from when we were born, he was in what, you know our knowledge of our awareness of of music and what was on the radio, or what was on MTV or VH1 in our case too, was uh, Sammy was the singer for Van Halen until '96. So for us, that kind of is our era. So the fact that people can go back and say, oh, both. You know, both eras are great. And the fact that, Jimmy, you can say that, I, I do have respect for that. I just can't, you know, for all the silly reasons, you know, Ryan and I were kind of rattling off. Like, I just kind of can't get behind the, the Roth era in, in hindsight. But had we grown up with it, I, I think we would have been into it. Of course, if we were right. born 10 years earlier. And I totally get the hate. And I think it's hilarious. Like, it's you're not making fun of me. You're just making fun of David Lee Roth. So, the right. albums are just structured differently. I mean, Sammy's albums are just like hit after hit, song after song, and then there's a couple tracks on the Dave albums that are like them just fucking around for a minute, and it became a song. So it's yeah, just, yeah. right. Like they had definitely have track to say. intro, outro, everything else. Like there's a whole before Pretty Woman on Diver Down. There's a whole other track before that of them of Eddie just playing, which is yeah. great. But it's they were just like party albums. They weren't like and when Sammy had his albums, they were just like song after song after song after, like they, it was a full album so yeah to say. yeah it wasn't There's, just about it wasn't just about a couple yeah. of singles and then a bunch of filler like and they right they cranked out in the roth era they cranked out the first six albums in six years that every year with the yeah. exception of 83 there was an album that came out so they were just putting them out so that they right. whatever was coming out they were just gonna be like, yeah fuck it it's good enough for the record and that's it <laughs> well that's a funny thing too because those roth era albums as much as people are just like well they made more albums with roth and they're you know they sold more blah blah, blah. but they're littered with covers i mean you really got me mm-hmm. they did uh you're no good on the second album diver down is, is at least half covers yeah um yeah right. pretty woman and that 
horrendous version of Dancing in the Street, which is, you know, was in a race to the bottom with the Bowie and Jagger version. Good God. <laughs> what, a, what a sad time. Like, as, as yeah. much as we love the music of the 80s, goddamn, what a yeah. horrible, like, again, race to the bottom. That's the best way I could say because those versions I, I think are the Bowie horrendous. and Jagger one puts it over because of that horrendous video. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, it was so oh. bad. Yeah, it was yeah. so, it was so like, bad. Like, were you high? What were you doing? Were you, were you like, probably high? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It was, it was cocaine, and uh, no one's going to say no to these guys because they're. He legends. looks like a chick. I'm going to do it. No, no, James, no. <laughs> They'll be swinging, swinging. Anyway. I think Mick Jagger probably thought it looked like Annie Lennox, so that's what he probably did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you believe the, the rumors, then maybe they decided to do it at, you know, during Pillow Talk. But anyway. Um, I don't know so, those rumors. You yeah, don't. We can't move on from that. All right, well, that, that, I don't know what, I don't even know what the rumor is. That's, that's a whole other show then. So never oh. mind. We're going to put that to the side. All right. Um, but actually, I think you really got me. I kind of remembered as Jimmy's saying it, you know, like the Barbie doll or something. I think you really got me was the song in that commercial because I think it was like a freshman in high school when that commercial. I forget what it was for. But I think they I think you really got me was the one in that commercial. Yeah, it was like a, a Barbie and like a Corvette. And there was some other, right. I mean, it was like a, like a, like a generic Barbie and like a generic GI Joe or something like that. And it was, yeah. I mean, it, it was for Schweppes or something. I, I don't remember, but I think it was like, a, <laughs> I think it was like a soda commercial. Yeah. Very on brand for ginger ale. It's oh, like, man, you know, Ken's going to be pissed. It's probably Pepsi or Coke. One of those. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Probably not ginger. Ale. You know what says party rock ginger ale, ginger. <laughs> <laughs> but crystal Pepsi. Yeah. I mean, that, that cannot be understated going back to what Ryan said about the crystal Pepsi ads for right now. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it yeah, was that all was over the all place. over. Yeah. And I don't even know if I knew that was Van Halen at the time either, because I was ninety-one. So, yeah, right. I, I, I'm, I'm not, not sure if I it. really knew it was them. I just remember the song being played all over the place, and uh, totally, yeah, especially on the commercial. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. That's that that summer. The the commercial was on constantly, and Crystal Pepsi was just it. Yeah. But all right, Jack, over to you. So your awareness of Van Halen came about. Uh, same way, pretty much with Jump. But actually, I just remembered. When you just mentioned the Crystal Pepsi commercial, not really knowing who the band was or where that song was from, the Power Rangers movie in 1995, the end of the movie, they played the song Dreams. And I'm like, oh, that's a really good song. Oh, yeah. Until I got the greatest hits album. I'm like, that's Van Halen? Wait, they did a <laughs> Power Rangers movie? And I was Wait, like, wait a minute. Them? And I had to research, like, no, that came out a decade before the movie came out. But it was like, <laughs> wow, that's so weird. Right. Yeah. That's a song so great. The movie's trash. Oh yeah, <laughs> so random. <laughs> it, yeah, that was a weird. Uh, that yeah. soundtrack was loaded with different. Like it was crazy. It, they must have just licensed a bunch of people for that I, soundtrack. Well, I think they. I think they took a page out of the the soundtrack for Twister's book, and they're like, "We'll get one good song by Van Halen, and the rest of the yeah. soundtrack's just gonna be shitty." Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> like really anything else that was on that soundtrack except for humans being and that instrumental that he and Alex did. Yeah. Like, yeah for the call, car, respect the wind yeah. or something it. like yeah. that. I was trying to think, I was like something about the wind. And it was like, and I had that soundtrack because I was hearing, you know, humans being all over the place too. Right. And I was like, Oh, this song is great. So I bought the soundtrack when I was yeah. you know, buying CDs. Remember that? <laughs> um, and uh, then I heard that song, that instrumental song was really, really good too. Well, I, but I can um, imagine a young Ryan being very disappointed that it wasn't just about farts. It was like respect the wind. It's Eddie and Alex farting into the microphone. Yeah, <laughs> respect this. Three and a half minutes. <laughs> Which, yeah, but I have. To I would have bought like, it actually. Like uh, as an era, if you're going to look at you know the Sammy versus the Roth era, as far as Eddie's playing is concerned. For me, it was definitely more Buck Wild when you know Roth was was the front man. Like I feel like oh, when Sammy joined the band, his playing was more sort of reserved and more technical and more um, sort of calculated. But it wasn't the whole band. No, no less good. Yeah. Um, so that's not what I'm saying at all. It was just not as just like insane and unrestrained as it was totally when yeah. Roth was. Well, I'm sure when you have a it was it was like different kind of playing. Wrong. Yeah, when you have a frontman like David Lee Roth, who's going to just be like, oh, I don't care, play whatever. And then right. you got Sammy, who's like, no, 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 here's how it should go. Like structure, you can tell because, like I said earlier in the show, I like David Lee Roth better just because that's what I envisioned Van Halen was. And then Sammy was the guy who just took over. And they had a couple good songs. I like Sammy's singles because I bought the Greatest Hits album in 2002. Right. And um, I like the singles, but I bought the the Roth albums first because I thought, okay, that's the that's what the definitive what was being projected to me on television through documentaries or whatever was like this David Lee Roth's the real Van Halen. So I just always had that perception and I had the singles for Sammy on the greatest hits. So I was good right. I had on both uh, greatest hits volume one and then best of both worlds. So I was right. like, I'm good. I don't need the Sammy albums, but 
David Lee Roth is the whole original era. But when of you course. guys showed me that, it was, oh shit, this is better because it's a it's a well-produced package and not in a manufactured way. It's like, this is a cohesive band now, as opposed yeah. to the past six albums, it was just erratic all over the place. Like, you know, come on, Dave, give me a break. Like, in all those. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, there's a no, exactly. You're right yeah. there where they're literally, they're just fucking around and it's recorded and it's a song. Yeah. And even right. when I was listening to them back in like high school, learning about them, I was like, eh, I, I don't know how that got onto an album. Like I never heard that before <laughs> as I was like getting into bands like Def Leppard and Cheap Trick and Rush. It was like that, those albums were like, this ain't, this is different because your guys just seem like they're fucking around a little bit. But there's just a couple songs chalked in, so it, it works. Right. Totally. Well, I think some of it is, I mean, number one, Eddie's playing was so pyrotechnic. You know, there are a lot of guitar pyrotechnics going on uh, in those early albums. And it was also like being in your 20s and it was more, you know, party music and everything, which I'm sure was heavily influenced by the fact that David Lee Roth was very, very much about that kind of music. And uh, or I mean, from by all accounts, was kind of essentially leading the band or pointing them in the direction. That yeah. they were going in. And uh, as far as what, you know, Sammy's account and saying those guys did not know what direction to go in, Roth kind of called the shots in that band. And then when he left, they were kind of rudderless, um, yeah. which, I mean, makes sense. That's every, I mean, I've, I've read a hundred band biographies and seen, you know, a hundred more documentaries. And yeah, there kind of is usually one person, it's very rarely a complete democracy where everybody kind of has an equal say in everything. I mean, everybody gets their say or, or has an opinion, but usually it's one person kind of guiding the the uh, arc of the yeah. band's the band's trajectory but yeah and, i feel like at the point like eddie was his his playing wasn't as just crazy I mean, part of us probably getting older because he would have been about right. I mean, it would have been about 30 mm-hmm. at that point so maybe slowing down and not in a bad way but just no. I've, been, I've been doing all this now for a decade and right. i want to do something different i mean but you could tell that even before roth left which is why i get so pissed off when people get mad at sammy for mm-hmm. Oh, there's keyboards in the band. or oh, the songs got softer. It's listen to Jump, which mm-hmm. is all the keyboards. Everybody knows keyboard. the keyboard. Yeah, yeah, except for an yeah. eight, eight bar yeah. guitar song. I'll wait. It's even more. I'll wait is yeah. That's synth, which is Eddie, and the the track 1984 is an instrumental keyboard thing. Like Eddie was going in that direction anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe Roth wasn't down for it, and that's fine. I mean, when you look at his first two solo albums, which I only own because of Steve Vai and Billy Sheehan played on them, not because the songs are so great. <laughs> Some fans <laughs> of those guys, but. It's like they were kind of going in that direction anyway. So well, Eddie was going away. And he sings in them and they don't sound that good anymore. So. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. A lot of them are very much like, oh, this sounds amazing. But they're like, um, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. You the same, at the same time, like synths were almost unavoidable in hard rock in the 80s. I mean, oh, every so many genre. rock bands used them. But I mean, Eddie did a lot of really cool stuff with them. I mean, he made guitar sounds with them and he you know put distortion on on things and like uh, if you look at uh, why can't this be love I, I was watching a live video of uh, of them playing it the other day and he's making what sounds like a like a distortion guitar pedal noise on this on this synth and i'm like this is awesome like it sounds if you didn't know any better you'd think that this was the guitar like sammy's playing and then he's doing this sound on the keyboard and it's like that sounds like another guitar playing but it's not Right. Like he was inventive with it, at least, you yeah. know? Well, that's it. I mean, he was just a creative dude altogether. I mean, that, I, I feel like that kind of speaks for itself. And not so much that, I mean, according to, again, according to Sammy's book, he's the only one we've gotten a book from. I mean, David Lee Roth wrote a book in like 94 or something, but I don't even think it's it's in print anymore. And uh, who wants to read that? Except Jimmy. <laughs> I'm kidding. But anyway, yeah, even Jimmy's like, no, I'll pass. Nope. Uh, no, Don't care. <laughs> but uh, that was and I still listen to those those chapters of the audiobook uh, almost every summer because I just remember Jack and Ryan and I spent like a day driving around because I had the audiobook and we're just listening to the, those like five, six Van Halen chapters because we were just fascinated. And I was anyway by that era. I feel like that there's more book. We need more books from people who were around that era just as a, as a working musician and because that kind of arena rock era is a bygone era at this point. And I want to hear more about that because historically it was a time and place in music where there were these big shows and big tours and you don't see that as much anymore. You kind of do. There's always like a package tour or two or three smaller package tours. But like when all these big bands would go out and do these big tours, 
in their heyday. That was yeah, yeah exactly. Like that was a that oh. was an era that I I would love to learn more about that and the working musician element of it, which is why Steve Lukather's book is amazing. But um, well, that that was mind blowing that they I believe it was eighty eight where they went out with Metallica and a couple other like really yeah. big bands. For this, Metallica, like, uh, Ryan's second favorite band, Dokken. Uh, they went out with uh, <laughs> fucking Stan Dokken. <laughs> and uh, who else? Kingdom Come, who were terrible. And um, what was it? there was another one. Or maybe that was it. Maybe it was the four of them. But yeah, the Monsters of Rock Tour, which is actually a documentary. I was I was cruising through YouTube. Somebody uploaded a documentary like two years ago. I don't know if it was MTV or what about Monsters of Rock. Um, and speaking of which, MTV Classic put something up the other day in honor of Eddie, which I, I shared with Ryan and Jack in our chat. And um it's funny you talk about the evolution that kind of Eddie was going through musically and that he wasn't, he was kind of more uh, focused on keyboard. It was, um, Oh God, who's the guy? It wasn't Kurt Loder. Who's the other guy who did MTV news. Now I'm drawing a blank on, I think his name was Chris something. I, I'm totally blanking on his name, but anyway, uh, there's a video and it's worth looking up. It was a tour of, um, Eddie's, uh, 5150 studio in 98. It was right around the time Van Halen three came out and he's showing this vast tape archive, like where, all this stuff was kind of cataloged. And uh, he said that they found this one tape, which is from 1983, and it was at Piano Part from right now. So Eddie was already writing that stuff when Roth was in the band, and maybe he just rejected it, just wasn't down for it. But obviously, he was going in a certain direction. So, you know, again, I just feel like Sammy gets a lot of blame for that from people, which is stupid. Maybe not so much anymore. So I feel like in hindsight, or as, as time has gone on, we've seen, obviously, who the the harder working guy is and who the one who's still who's the one who's still touring regularly and is yeah. active in any kind of way, which is it kind of deflates the Van Halen argument about uh, Sammy's work ethic sucked. And that's why he's, he wasn't in the band anymore. Yeah. Circa it's, it's kind of like the perfect marriage. If you think about it, like if he was working on this stuff when he was with Roth, probably not at the time thinking of like splitting off from him or whatever, but just putting a creative outlet to like, I got to put this on tape and everything else. And like you said, it was probably just like, hey, man, don't worry about that. We're going to go, you know, get some hookers and, you know, I'm going to get some new spandex. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was, it's got to be frustrating. It had to be frustrating at that point to be like, yes, we're the biggest band in the world or one of the biggest bands. But we're literally just with a guy who wants to party and have a good time. and doesn't care what we record because it's, you know, he thinks he has the Midas touch, so to say. It's all good. Totally. So well, when Sammy comes along, it's like, oh, shit, I could put all this to good use. And there not to, and, and write songs and not do a shitload of covers. I mean, even at the point when David Lee Roth first kind of went solo, what did he cover? California Girls and Just a Gigolo. They, he did two covers yeah. when he yeah. did on his, <laughs> on his way out of the band. So there you go. I mean, to me, and again, that stuff to me is just like, I, and I'm not doing it to further justify my opinion that I like Sammy better because it's just my opinion and it's all subjective. But when you look at that and you just think, well, yeah, did that guy have a lot going on or did he just have to cop stuff from everyone else? Because... You know, again, there's covers on every single Van Halen. And yeah, the, the instrumental bits, like, I mean, geez, Diver Down, everything that wasn't a cover, I think, was an instrumental bit. Like, there was that, I think it's called Intruder, that that track that is a Before Pretty Woman. Um, yes. You know, Little Guitars, Cathedral, you know, there's all these little instrumental bits that Eddie was obviously working on. And maybe it was even a situation where, like Sammy said, you know, for, for the Balance record, the reason there were, I think, three instrumentals on there was he didn't want to write lyrics for them. So maybe Roth just heard those and said, I'm not writing to that. Those are stupid. Or maybe they wanted to give Eddie a solo spot, which is right. something funny, which I remember from, um, I'm sorry, Jimmy, you go ahead. Cause I'm definitely going to take say, another a, direction. a lot of, a lot of artists do that. They, they put up the, uh, you know, they fiddle around with their instruments. They, they put in that like little uh, pieces that they put together. And sometimes they just can't find the right song to put it into. So they hold on to it and they try to figure out like parts of it to play into songs I'm using Dream Theater here as my example because you know I'm a big fan. Uh, totally. And like Jordan Rudis, the keyboardist, he always is playing, always. Like he has so much content. Um, and he just finally made a solo album. But, you know, that's probably what Eddie was doing. He probably had all this stuff set aside. He's waiting for the right Van Halen song to put it into. And with David Lee Roth, you just you don't have the right energy. It doesn't, yeah. it's not going to fit in any of those songs. So it was probably when Hagar came around, he's like, oh, yeah, we're slowing it down. This is where I want to use it. This is going to work perfectly. Oh, so I feel sure. like I feel like you got to find the right song for the material. And I'm glad Eddie was patient with it. You know, he waited yeah. to get those right songs. Yeah. So and you could, point. you could see, too, that there were I mean, you could name a handful of songs on, on 5150 that could have been David Lee Roth era songs. Uh, just I mean, listening to the music, you're like, OK, you hear him doing something over good enough. 
maybe Summer Nights, even though it was kind of a slower tempo. Uh, there are definitely some of those songs you could say, okay, maybe there were the, the beginnings of those. Maybe those were songs that maybe Roth had rejected, or at least they wrote them when he was still in the band. And, you know, they, they were able to jump to another level. But, like, Dreams, that would have never happened if David Lee Roth's in the band, because he can't, he can't sing that high. <laughs> nope. I mean, Sammy never <laughs> sung that high before that song either. But that I feel like that's a that can't be understated, that through an evolution, the, the evolution of a band, short of, you know, tragedy, like, let's say, ACDC, but... They're, you know, bands evolve and they do go in a lot of directions. It's very rare that a band will stay the same. Like, I mean, ACDC well, changed singers and still stayed the same. And even as much that's as rare. we love Sammy, I on the uh, Best of Both Worlds album, there's a couple covers he has at the end of Panama, Jump, and he does a couple of Roth songs. And they're not that good. It's not like he couldn't even make them sound good either. Well, because they're, they're bad. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the lyrics to Jump are so stupid. Yeah, that that can't no. be understated. The lyrics to jump. It's it's just a dumb, dumb song. Can you see me standing here? I got my back against the record machine. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I mean, it's which is it's a shame because nothing. I mean, musically, it's it's incredibly fun. Like, uh, oh, yeah. aside from the lyrics. Oh, even like, the even the videos. Yeah. I will give credit when yeah. I was a, a kid and uh, particularly when VH1, they weren't in regular rotation on VH1 at that point. because Sammy was in the band. But during the summer, I don't know if you guys remember, it was right around July 4th. They would do um, VH1 would do. Music videos A to Z from ABBA to ZZ Top. And I remember seeing the block of Van Halen videos, which I think was the first time I saw Finish What You Started. I didn't even know that was a single. I'd just known it from the live album. But um, they they would play Hot for Teacher and, you know, Jump in Panama. I mean, they would play those on occasion. But, like, I'd never seen the Hot for Teacher video at that point. And I thought, Pretty okay, Woman these were fun. the worst video I've oh, ever God. seen. <laughs> yeah. My God. It was like, what? What? Who's doing what? <laughs> David Lee Roth. I mean, according to you know how Kids things look it up work. on YouTube, it's it's atrocious. It doesn't even make sense, and it's early it's not day good. video, so it's not even an ex- it's not like that's an excuse. It's dog shit. Yeah, it's like a costume party. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. I don't think a lot of '80s music videos made a lot of sense, to be honest. <laughs> well, that's true. In the nascent days of music videos, then uh, yeah, a lot of them were probably. You, I'm you sure there are a lot of lame ones got buried. Genesis ones? Any Genesis music videos? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, well, they yeah. were pretty cheesy. Creepy. Yeah, not, not everyone yeah. could be Peter Gabriel in the 80s. Yeah, <laughs> where yeah. You make a super inventive <laughs> video where it, it looks great and it's actually something to behold. Like, wow, this is... This like like a, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is visually stunning. Land of Confusion's creepy as shit. Yeah, it is. I love it, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do, too. Only made more creepy by the fact that Disturbed covered it. But that's another, once again, another show. Well, so, yeah, but I digress. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which happens a lot. Um, but it's funny, too, the, um, you know, Eddie kind of also came out of the gate, lest we forget, with Eruption, which mm. it, on the first album, which is pretty, I mean, was mind-blowing to everybody. And when you talk to guitar players from that era, I mean, there was a, I was lucky enough, and I should have pulled the audio. I'm kind of sorry I didn't. But uh, I had a one-on-one guitar lesson with Paul Gilbert when I was at Musicians Institute. And I don't remember how we started talking about it, but he was talking about guitar solos and how prior to Van Halen, guitar solos sounded like Heartbreaker by Led Zeppelin. You know, kind of these tasteful solos, kind of blues-oriented, with the exception of Hendrix, who was just kind of a different animal. But there was no, there, there was no showiness. There weren't like pyrotechnics, which is, you know, one of the, I think the best ways to sum up kind of Van Halen, that, that early Van Halen style playing, uh, the flashy kind of guitar playing. And uh, he said, you know, you listen to solo of Heartbreaker, which is now, and he said, then you hear something like eruption and he described it as like notes falling from the sky. It was just like, how is somebody making the yeah. sound on a guitar? And it's true. And I actually, there was someone, this is, years ago uh so long before my <laughs> i i was well i was single at the time not that i there's anything i need to put a precursor up for but i remember there was one uh female friend of mine who had never heard eruption and i had said like i never learned how to play this on guitar i should probably sit and like learn this because everybody seems to know it um you know this prior going going to a musician's institute and everything but i said i should probably figure this out and she said oh god if you could play this like i would have to have sex with you immediately and that's why i was like really <laughs> like it wasn't so it wasn't so what i had interested but it's just the the notion of which you know being a a teenager flush with hormones and learning how to play guitar anyway you, you know, the thought crosses your mind but then all of a sudden it becomes reality like really you would wouldn't more you? motivation yeah it, oh i can't tell you listen i did my my parents were uh very uh very 
<laughs> I, I don't re- even know the word. Describe- not permissive, but I think we're realistic enough where, um, I mean, when I was eight, I watched Beverly Hills Cop with them, uh, which is by no means a kid's movie because there's violence and titties. And uh, but mm. they at the same time, they knew like, OK, they're watching it at home. They weren't so oblivious to think like he's never going to watch something like this. So right. they did. And, and same thing for my 16th birthday. I remember them saying, what do you want? I said, Playboy. And they got me a subscription to Playboy. And that's right around the time because I started playing guitar. I literally got my first. I got You're my, my goddamn hero. <laughs> <laughs> Man. My first guitar I got two weeks before my 16th birthday. And uh, so that kind of coincided getting to the Playboy subscription and the guitar playing kind of came about at the same time. And that was a huge motivation, man. Every time that new issue showed up every month, I would go down into the basement and, you know, until my, not literally till my fingers bled, figuratively till my fingers bled. Uh, Rub one or out until, until your fingers bled. <laughs> well, no, because then I never get any practicing done. No, it was, it was a, it was a huge motivator for sure. Just to be like, oh man, I get played. Cause at that point you had the stories of, you know, the Motley Cruz and, you know, all those other bands where it's like, yeah. they all married and then divorced playmates, but they, they still had them, you know? So there was that idea. <laughs> so there, there was that connection, that flashy, you know, kind of guitar playing, which it did, I guess is the idea of being impressive. I don't know. I'm not a woman and I'm not like, I'm, I'm not going to fuck any dudes just cause they can play guitar really well. Uh, I, I like so it. What, I've, I've met a so lot. So what of happened? Them. Did you ever uh, play eruption for that girl? <laughs> No, no, I didn't. And we never slept together, oh, by the way. Shit. We were friends, but it still it just put the idea in my head, not as if it w- it was there on some level, without a doubt, but just the idea of like, wow, you know, if I learn how to play really, really, if yeah. I'm a flashy guitar player, hey, maybe that'll translate to, to something vis-a-vis <laughs> sex. But that was, it was just weird kind of having that thought and like, yeah, I guess so. But I hadn't really thought of it prior to that, except for, again, when that, I'm telling you, when that Playboy showed up every month, I was just like, oh, I'm going to practice my ass off. I'm going to get a band together that's going to crumble in a couple of weeks, but damn it. <laughs> We're going to get one good single, man. Oh, that's well, that, uh, that's it. Yeah. And I hopefully will be able to ride out the rest of my life on it. And as we all know, that's that didn't it. happen. Here I am yes. s- stuck doing a show online for free. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> not a guitar in sight. Well, they're out of frame, but regardless. Yep. Um, I mean, yeah, there's as far as Eddie, I mean, we kind of didn't want to do the typical thing that everybody's been doing all over social media. And uh, even people who aren't into Van Halen, they're like, the guy changed, you know, the, the way guitar playing was forever. And, you know, Eddie's a legend and an innovator. And, yeah, we all know that stuff. Everybody's yeah, known that stuff forever. He's the greatest guitar player ever, as far as any of us are concerned, probably. He's, so, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he's definitely one of the most influential. I, I mean, would agree. Hands yeah, down. Yeah, like, if, you, if, if you're talking about, if you had to make a top five, I mean, there's, I mean, just, just rock guitar players. Because if you get into the blues and jazz guys who predate the rock guys, that's a, that's a bigger conversation. But, like, rock guitar players? Yeah, I mean, it's Clapton, Eddie Van Halen, Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix, uh, Jimmy Page, because a lot of people started playing guitar after hearing Led Zeppelin. You can't um, you know, minimize that. Um, right. The Beatles were more songs than guitar playing. People want to play yeah. guitar because they want to you know, be in a band. But like when it came to wanting to play lead guitar, yeah, there's, there's a handful of guys you can boil it down to in the, in the 60s and 70s. I'd put Alex Lifeson up there. I would too, but for... For music geeks, not on a grand scale, because Rush was never, uh, they never had like that mainstream audience. I mean, I agree. I love Alex Lifeson's guitar playing. I mean, it's one of those things where, I mean, there's still articles written about like how to play those crazy, you know, <laughs> those chord intervals that he plays. You know, it's. He did it all. He did it all. He did. Yeah. Well, that's it. And, and trios are a whole other thing. I'd say Slash also might be a good one. Slash. Uh, yeah. To a degree, but more as an image than I think as a guitar player. I feel like Slash's image, and I'm not demeaning his guitar playing. I just feel like you could point to a couple of songs, but just kind of, you know, because they're Guns N' Roses songs, because they're songs everybody knows, like November Rain and Sweet Child of Mine and Welcome to the Jungle. Um, as far as guys, like, I want to play like Slash. I never heard that as much as I heard about, like, I want to play like Clapton or Eddie Van Halen. Okay. But I, I mean, not in a, yeah, not in a bad that. way. Yeah. I'm not, look, Slash okay. has an image and he's it's, he's done well by it. So I'm not putting Slash down at all. Um but yeah, there's definitely a couple of guys, and Eddie's one of those dudes for sure. Um, frankly, I was actually thinking about this today, and not so much as a point like, what am I going to talk about on the show, but just the idea of, you know, I just turned 39 last week, the day after Eddie died, and, you know, the last uh, album with Sammy, Balance, came out in 95, and Eddie would have been 40. In the last 25 years of his life, he did two albums. That's really, really sad, because there's the point 
that I've uh, thought about and talked about when it comes to just my creative ambitions, where there are a lot of people you can point to in their careers overall um, in entertainment, which while not important in the in the grand scheme of things. And and I know I'm pretty sure I talked about this on the show recently, but I have this conversation with a lot of people like, so what are you up to? Because I have some, a few irons in the fire. But the idea that um, a lot of people in their careers, just because we know entertainment figures, you know, are, are more public. So that's why I could point to them. But whether you're talking about actors or musicians or whatever, will either have a great first half and a not so great second half or they pop in their second half, like the easy examples like Sam Jackson, who was in his 40s, like when he popped huge and has been in everything for the last 30 years since. Um, whereas when you think about Ada Van Halen, it's like, wow, literally like the first I mean, Grant, he lived to be 65, so it's not, you know, half you know, an even half of his life. But when you think about it like, wow, all of the stuff he did was really up into when he was 40 and then not a lot in the last 25 years. And I realize like the music career and the band isn't necessarily everything. But you just think, wow, he did. Two albums, not particularly well received, weren't big hits. Like his peak was up until he was forty, and then these last twenty five years, not a lot. And I just thought, wow, that's really sad because that band was such a mystery. It's a band people always want to know what's going on with Van Halen. Is Van Halen going to be touring again? Who's going to be the singer on the next tour? You know, are they making right. another album? I mean, speaking of my time at uh, Musicians Institute, one of my teachers I remember was was just apoplectic when Warner Brothers dropped Van Halen, which I think was around two thousand six. Because at that point, they hadn't done an album in eight years since Van Halen 3 came out. And uh, Warner Brothers dropped them. And then fast forward when uh, Different Kind of Truth came out in uh, 2012, they were on, I believe it was Interscope. But th this teacher was, he, he, he was just crazed about it. He's like, how is it Seal still has a record deal? And Van Halen doesn't have a record deal. Cause <laughs> Seal, I mean, because Seal was on Warner Brothers. Well, yeah, but Seal I was mean, on Warner Brothers records as well. But he at least put out a record every two to three years, whereas Van Halen's done nothing for eight years. They did a reunion tour in 04 and just had no, like nothing on the dock. Which I was so excited about because the night I graduated high school, they were playing the garden. And I was in New York for the project graduation trip it's like man i'd rather fucking be in new york right now at the garden right now seeing that than on a boat with these people i'm not going to see anymore so i was i was excited about the tour when i first heard about it but then uh my reluctance got the best of me i actually said to myself you know what i don't trust this because you know you, you'd always heard the rumors about eddie van halen drinking and about the difficulty and i thought like they've been so there was so much back and forth in the press between van halen and sammy that i said i just don't know if this if this tour is even going to finish and it almost didn't according to you know sammy's stories in his book you know he, he wanted to pull right. out and if it wasn't for the the financial obligations you know and the money he would have had to pay out for quitting the tour it wouldn't have it wouldn't have finished if he could have gotten out of it right but, and you can devote a lot of you know eddie's second half troubles to obviously the drug addiction and the alcohol and cancer on and off so that explains a lot as to why he didn't do nearly as much in his you know second half of life as he did in his first you know, oh, he, had, sure. he had a lot going on that uh yeah, yeah. he had a lot of demons well it was also unfortunately uh, for a band who was so prolific in both eras that did so much good music and you know it's had a string of number one albums with sammy specifically so in their most recent era and then three was you know not too well received and you know that tour didn't go well and everything playing half empty arenas and, and things like that um as much as that tour deserves praise for being the only representation of every era of the band and that they played Roth and Sammy songs and obviously the Gary Sharon songs from the new album. So in a way, that tour kind of stands alone, even though it's not successful. It was the kind of best representation of all eras of the band. But right. at the same time, it's kind of a shame that for a band that was so prolific, all they did after that was kind of reunion tours. They didn't really do anything new. Uh, they right. did some not great songs with Sammy for that Best of Both Worlds compilation. When the reunion tour happened in 04, uh, which I actually listened back to because I said, well, maybe I was too hard on these songs. No, those songs are pretty, pretty lousy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Considering how good the songs with Sammy, you know, those four albums were. I listened to it and said, no, it's probably the best they could do at the time and under the circumstances. But uh, they don't stand out as much as the songs from those albums do. But no. it's uh, I, I don't know. I just thought it was sad that every tour was, you know, looking back when they reunited and did the tour with Roth in 07. It was, you know, just a greatest hits tour of those six albums. And when they did the tours with them in, uh, you know, for a different kind of truth. OK, they had some new songs and they did their last tour in 2015. And I remember talking about it at the time Sherry and I talked about it on the show when uh, the live album came out. And we we're just like, this sucks. <laughs> he can't sing. He's like <laughs> kind of half talking the words, which is kind of David Lee Roth style anyway. And we just said this. 
this is not good. He can't sing. I was actually very brutal about that. <laughs> you know, we devoted a whole hour to talk about how much better Sammy was than, than David Lee Roth. <laughs> Did and, he issue a statement, David Lee Roth? I didn't see anything. Uh, he just put out a tweet with a picture of he and Eddie from, I guess, a recent tour because they were definitely older. And it said, uh, like, what a crazy ride it's been or something. No. Which, I mean, I don't imagine the guy has a lot of depth as far as that goes. No. Just so I'm not really surprised. I wouldn't have expected, like, you know, some heartfelt tribute to Eddie. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the things I was very interested in, Um, you know, Sammy Hagar doing his, his birthday bash this year as a pay-per-view special, which is uh, later this week, I think. I know his birthday is tomorrow. So maybe it is tomorrow, but I was very interested in that anyway, because I was like, oh, for 20 bucks, we can watch, you know, Sammy's concert. That'll be cool. We can't go to a concert for a while. So at least we could see a new concert, which they shot on, I think, Friday and Saturday. And, you know, hearing about Eddie's death, I, I was saying to Sherry, wow, you know, the, these guys, you know, Sammy and Michael Anthony are just they're just going to empty the tank for the show. Like, it's going to be amazing because they're going to play the fuck out of those Van Halen songs, because I, I can't imagine what anybody's going through. I mean, Sammy did. um respond to um howard stern who who had reached out to him and said do you want to say anything you know on, on the show tomorrow because they were uh live on the air the day after eddie passed away and sammy didn't want to do any interviews with anybody but he did actually write a letter about they'd been in touch since the beginning of the year i believe it was something like january um everybody go check you look up that clip on youtube they put out a, a nice uh clip of um different uh tributes to eddie during uh that show it's a nice like seven eight minute clip but uh Howard reads this letter from Sammy saying that they were in touch kind of through text and he didn't hear anything from Eddie within the last month. So he knew things were bad, but he said they, they were he, he called it a love fest. So at least they were able to reconcile, which is good because Sammy's publicly Sammy's publicly been trying to reconcile and at least be friends with for the band, years. Even if not, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, these last couple of years. So and I they thought... were such good friends when they were in the band together. Like, and you read about it, like in Sammy's book, yeah. and it's just, it's so sad the way things ended up, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. they they loved each other. Like, and I, you know, even though, like, we don't know them, know them, like, it was heartbreaking to even hear about, like, how their friendship crumbled and, you know, how this great era of this band ended. And I'm glad that they were able to reconcile at the end, but it just, it just sucks. They could have done so much more. You know, to think about what could have been. That yeah. Been oh, totally. oh, yeah. 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 That's well, that's it. It's and it's it's such a drag just to think like, man, this is how this is the end of the Van Halen story mm-hmm. with yeah. with Eddie being gone. Um, And again, it's sad to see because for a band that always played everything close to the chest and, and never really put out public statements with regard to anything, very, very hush hush about whatever they were doing, because there were so many aborted attempts with with david lee roth and even with uh you know last summer they were supposed to do a tour with roth with, with michael when anthony they went out in, uh, when they went on the vmas and then two days later it was over yeah exactly yeah well that's those it. awful uh overalls yeah. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> well and that was it and that, that was the thing like david lee roth apparently was making it about himself like backstage you know, was, yeah. was he wanted to I still remember all that questions. interview where he said that to Eddie Van Halen. He's like, tonight's about me. I yeah. still remember like how taken aback Eddie was. And he was like, don't yeah. you ever talk to me like that again? Because people were because Eddie <laughs> yeah. had hip problems at that point yeah. and eventually had to have surgery on his hip. But uh, it was, you know, how's your hip doing? And Roth said, to him, yeah, tonight's about me, not your fucking hip. It's like, yeah. whoa, it's not yeah. about you, dude. Just because all of a sudden <laughs> you're on MTV <laughs> for the first time in who knows how many years. Like you got to. Yeah, that, but that's David Lee Roth, and that's you know that's what you get when dealing with a, a personality like that. And in a band, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine having to deal with. I had enough trouble dealing with just regular schmoes and bands. I couldn't imagine dealing with an ego like that. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be you know. And I, <laughs> I, I don't know, but it's it's just a shame to see like that band just. I mean, again, they did two albums in the last twenty five years, kind of forgettable, which is a shame. But everything was just you know greatest hits tours, which listen still does big business. There are plenty of bands who don't even have that many original members, whether it's Kiss or Foreigner or, you know, a lot of bands where there's <laughs> there's only a handful, one or two maybe, original members. Leonard Skinner's another example. It's kind of a rotation. Almond Brothers. But it's just a shame that for a band it was so huge and so influential that their story just kind of ends with no, you know, they didn't have a chance to go out. And no they, goodbye. I, yeah, I mean, you would hope they would play. I mean, I know like Rush didn't want to play the farewell car, and I, I understood that. I'm grateful to have seen them at their very last show ever. Uh, and with the death of Neil Peart, it made me appreciate, like, wow, I was actually there for their la- their last time on stage together. That's really awesome. But the fact that Van Halen didn't get that, 
that it's just been nothing for the last five years, even though they tried to get that tour going last year with uh, Michael Anthony, that apparently fell apart. Who knows why? It's it's just a shame for that band, a band that big, to just have the story end like this without any, without like a big celebration, without a chance for them to do like a, even if it's a victory lap tour, that would have been great. And if they gotten to do the tour last summer, you know, with the the original four guys, awesome. Then yeah, I, right. I would even even though I wouldn't have gone because I don't care about that era of the band. I'm still just I, I would have been happy that they at least had that to say, yeah, they could do it. But apparently, I, you know, we don't know specifically, but that's in part. But, due to and also, health. you could think about it like you could think about it that way. But they could also been the relationship was so volatile for years and years. It could have fallen apart again. And that could have been the legacy. The end, the end of it there. Like, True. You know, everything between Roth and Van Halen brothers was so volatile for years and years. Who knows? No, you're right. They 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 couldn't get along. But still a good buy of some sort. Like you want the high note, but even if they try for the high note, the, the my point is they might not have gotten that. It could have been right. Another well, the saga continues with the right. Yeah, well, that's right. it. There's a lot of there's a lot of drama surrounding a band like that, and yeah. that's why you would hope at at their. And I hate that that I don't want that. To, I don't think of that as their legacy, but like it, it sucks you, that that's yeah, part of it. Though you, you can't you can't discount it. You yeah. can't look at it as like, well, that's not part of it. Because you have to look at, again, the last 25 years and just being at an age where, like I said, I looked at myself and just thought like, well, imagine if the best stuff I did is behind me. And like the next 25 years, I didn't do any. Like that would be like me going back and just re- releasing like <laughs> only podcast matters greatest hits episodes or something, you know, putting together like <laughs> compilations. Be like, remember this cool thing I did once upon a time when I was younger? You know, that, yeah. and that would just be a shame to think like, well, the best stuff I did, like, it's done already as opposed to having things to look forward to. And yeah, there are obviously health issues and egos and a lot of other things that get in the way. But like I said, for a band that big to not be able to make it work, you know, it's not like they had to, they had to drive around the country and tour, but they had to share a Prius together. You know, everybody could get their own, their own transportation, their own mm-hmm. hotel rooms. I mean, they were at a level where you think they could have made it work with Sammy or with Roth. Cause you couldn't have brought, brought in somebody new. That wouldn't have happened. No. I mean, I would love to see Michael Starr from Steel Panther be the same. You know, I'd go see Van Halen with him fronting the band. Absolutely. But I'd see that. I, I would too. And like even yeah. do the Dave Lee Roth songs, at least you got a dude with some with some singing chops who can who can handle it. Yeah. As opposed to Roth, who just does like marching band moves and kind of talks, sings his way through it. Um yeah. I mean, one of <laughs> I I made my cousin laugh the other day because he's not uh, my cousin Pete who plays in trombone shorty who was on the show a little while back. And he said, you know, I was never Van Halen was never so much my thing, but he's like, man, it's, it's hard to deny as somebody who wasn't into him, how much of an influence he's had on my playing and everything. Just like, you know, like say Chuck Berry or or dudes like that. There's another influential guitar player in terms of rock, but uh, how much of it has just seeped its way into the people you do like. And uh, I said, totally. I said, I was always more of a fan of the era of, of Van Halen, which included, Sammy, because, you know, but I said Eddie Van Halen's guitar playing those early records. Just you can't deny it. I mean, my my joke has been for a long time and he found it very funny was, you know, it could have been on that first album. I mean, Regis Philbin could have been the singer. It still would have been huge because everyone would be listening to <laughs> to the guitar playing. But. You know, that's uh, it's it's just sad to see that this is the way kind of the Van Halen story ends. And it's it's just a drag for a band that that deserves better and could have done so much more. You know, well, I mean, we're saying it from the outside. We're just saying it as fans. You know, it's just a drag that this is kind of the conclusion of, of the story of that band. In that it's just like, well, when they do something, it's every couple of years. And it's just kind of a greatest hits tour. Like, and a reunion tour. That's the other thing. Not active enough to not do anything that isn't, isn't um, let's say, build as a reunion of some sort. You know, that's just a huge drag. They might have to get their kids to fill in on the empty positions. Maybe, maybe that'll be our only like uh, hope for like, you know, their introduction to the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Maybe their kids will play a tribute, you know, something like that. Well, they, that's the funny thing. They got inducted in 2007, and yeah. the only members who showed up were Sammy Hagar and Michael Anthony. <laughs> like, they got to have some big, you know, I don't know, like there needs finale to, be- to to the band. They there needs to be something like a documentary or something like that to finish it off. Yeah, we need a documentary mm-hmm. like the dudes who did the Rush documentary to do a Van Halen documentary. I would uh, love that. Yeah, um, and there needs to be a big ass tribute concert somewhere after he, things return somewhat to normal. 
Yes. You know, I mean, it may be in it may be in 2022. That's when uh, the, the rescheduled uh, Elton John date that I got Sherry tickets for uh, last Christmas. That was supposed to happen in April. And I, I believe February that Sammy would be behind that, too. Oh, he would be I want to believe that him and Michael Anthony would put that together somehow. They would. I mean, I'm maybe sure. that's the finale we get. And that's good enough for me as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I wonder so. what they have planned for this for this live stream, because I bet it's good. I bet whatever it is they're doing for the show, I was in anyway, but I bet that this is going to be pretty sweet, you know, whatever it is they do, because I'm sure, you know, if they shot it Friday and Saturday, they had a couple of days to maybe work out some stuff and say, okay, we got to do something really strong as a tribute to Eddie, because this is their first public anything that's supposed to be a celebration. It's supposed to be Sammy's birthday. I think he's going to be 72 and you would think it would be just a big ass celebration, but it's, you, you can't minimize i mean he still says van halen was a tent pole of his career and it's true so we'll see uh in summation everybody kind of give your your uh final thoughts let's start with uh jimmy who we've been shouting over this entire show jimmy what do you have to say uh, you don't worry about don't worry about that <laughs> uh, it, they are still that band where i can i can listen to the singles they could be on the radio and it's not a song i'm gonna skip never it really is. It doesn't matter what what era of song it is. It's something that could I could be playing on like a commercial or I could have playing in the background. And it's just, you know, it's just if it, it's feel good music to me, no matter what what we're listening to. Um, it, it, you know, personalities, you know, <laughs> they they can they can destroy a band, but the sound is is everything to me. So yeah. I, you know. I, I wish I could have heard more from Eddie, but I'm I'm happy with what I've got. Agreed. I concur. <laughs> How about you, Jack? Nice. <laughs> uh, they're one of the bands that changed uh, where that influenced me the way I like music nowadays. Um, them, Cheap Trick, Rush, Def Leppard, or they're they're the ones that are the core bands for me. And uh, Van Halen changed so much for me. And then learning along the way with you guys too. It kind of, it's interwoven in our friendship in a way that it's like a connecting bond between all of us somehow, some way. And it, it, it's timeless to me. I love Van Halen. Ryan, your thoughts, please. Yes. I obviously, you know, I'm a bigger fan of the, the Hagar era, but I also greatly appreciate everything that came before, you know, especially with Eddie's playing and, you know, just the wild instrumentation, despite the dopey lyrics. But I mean, such fun songs, uh, you know, for the most part in that era, and then more of a cohesive band sound, as as Jack was talking about before, you know, when Sammy joined the band. And I am still really bummed out that, you know, we didn't get anything of note, you know, after after balance, and everything just sort of fell apart. And there were blips on the radar for 20 years. And then that was it. And now Eddie's gone and we're never really going to get anything substantial again because it's he's irreplaceable and it's it's just impossible. But definitely one of my favorite bands and uh, I'm glad we have the music that we do have. Yeah, same for me. I'm very grateful to have this catalog of music and to, that, that Eddie has the place he has that there aren't people who they say, well, you know, who did this better. I mean, there are always going to be nerds, particularly on the Internet in 2020 and forever i'm sure as long as there's an internet there are always gonna be nerds who are like well this this person's better actually i like this better and that's all fine and you know what something i probably wouldn't have said a couple of years ago that i'm happy to say now listen for yourself everybody streams music you have a device in your pocket where you can access basically all the music ever released listen to van halen listen to all the eras and judge for yourself and you you can like the the flashy guitar playing of the early days you can like the songs of the Sammy era, like I do, which has no shortage of impressive guitar work. But I say everybody just just listen and check it out. If you haven't already, I'm sure a lot of people have in the last week. And um, it's I, I wish there was a you always hope just like anybody does for for their lives and for the people they admire, that there would be some kind of celebration and that you can put a a happy ending on everything. But Unfortunately, that's not the case, and it's sad to see a band who is this huge, this influential, and a band who I loved, that uh, just see that this is how the story ends. It's just a bummer, but that's... And when you, listen, when you listen to the songs, go beyond the singles. You know, check out the deep cuts, because honestly, he, he didn't really miss on much. 
most of his songs like he he put his his trademark on oh for sure yeah even mm, even yeah. songs that weren't as uh, guitar oriented as others it's it's still they got Eddie stamp that's for sure mm-hmm. and uh so thank you guys for listening and uh thank you to the three of you for participating in this and um rest in peace Eddie Van Halen I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more and get more of the story about how everything has happened and all the all the things that could have been over the next few weeks, months, even years. I hope Michael Anthony writes a book. It doesn't need to be filled, filled with dirt, but just the story of what it was like to be there, to be on the stage during all those eras. That's a story I, I'd love to hear, and I imagine now that he's going to be offered tons of money to, to finally write it. I bet he has before, yeah. I have no doubt. But now especially, I, I hope he does. Just for, Like I said, just for the stories, just for that, that bygone <laughs> era of rock music when rock ruled the charts, that's the story I want to hear. And uh, of course, if you like what we have to say, then you can follow the show at Kate pod on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, subscribe and share and like you can follow Ryan on Instagram at honey. I drunk the beers. You can follow Jimmy on Instagram at uh, what the hell is it? Papa Squatch something. Papa Squatch one, two, three. At... <laughs> <laughs> follow Jimmy on Instagram. You know, and... I got funny names. Of course. Well, I don't remember. I knew there were numbers. I just didn't remember it's as easy as one, two, three. I should have been able to commit that to memory. But the Papa Squatch thing I knew. Uh, you can be follow... fair, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you could follow Jack on Twitter at JackWagon85 and on Instagram at Jackson Figure. 1985, you can follow me on Twitter, Chris Abalo, and on Instagram at Chris Sells Out. And uh, next week, something a little different for the show. Uh, this show is evolving and uh, entering a new kind of phase for next week. So uh, that's all I'm going to say. You can check it out for yourself next week and some of the circumstances surrounding it. But uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks for this show. So please subscribe and stay tuned. And until then, for Metal Jimmy, Ryan Taggart, and Jack DeFranco, this is Chris Abalo, and this was yet another experiment. <laughs>